Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to ROSC, the podcast, episode 17, Good Choices Aggregate. Now, before we get into the podcast, the usual housekeeping, if you haven't already, check out the website www.rosc.life, where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. The weekly newsletter is spamless, once a week, will not clog up your inbox, and in and of itself is extremely short. What it contains is... The three main insights of each week's blog post and podcast. These insights take everything and condense it into three actionable items that you can take to work, take to your life, and implement even if you don't understand why. But what it'll do is allow you to implement things that will show you the change begin to happen slowly but surely. The other thing that being part of the newsletter will do is it makes you part of our group of community members who will be fully aware first and foremost of any projects that we're coming out with. The closest of which to come out soon is the beta for our cardiac arrest management app. This app is going to not only be the most aesthetically pleasing app you've seen in the medical arena, but it is going to help smooth team flow during a cardiac arrest. It's going to help with streamlining the algorithm and going to help you with documentation. More information on that to come, but Part, being part of the newsletter makes you part of the team that will allow the first insights and the first feedback for our beta testing app. In the future, we also have other projects coming out, one of which is we want to create an educational e-learning community for everyone from the student up to the administrator to be able to create content that you're comfortable with and potentially be compensated for. It's a dream and it's an ambition, but it's something that we're shooting towards. Stick around, sign up for the newsletter, www.rosk.life. Now on to the podcast. Okay, so the three insights that I want you to take away from today's podcast are these. Number one, understand that when you make a single good choice, it gets you down a path more quickly than trying to make massive radical changes. The second thing is that there's a secret psychological hack to this in that whenever you make that good choice and then the next good choice, they aggregate. And the reason it works is because it builds self-credibility. And lastly, a call to action. I want you to take these principles and find a scenario in which you can make one small better choice, a choice that you may have tried to make grandiose or a choice that you may have said is small, but you brush it off because you think it's too small. Take that choice and make it, even write it down for yourself, and then make the next step and see how these choices aggregate. So the idea of making small choices and allowing them to aggregate in the world of healthcare is something that's pressed on me a long time because dealing with critical situations or dealing with any type of healthcare related situation when you're dealing with a human's life is difficult, it's taxing, it's unforgiving, it sometimes goes unrewarded. And on top of that, when we're highlighting to, to ourselves or when others are highlighting to us the mistakes that we made, despite the good that we did, it becomes all the more heavy on our shoulders because we need to be able to change. We need to grow. We need to get better. And when we think about getting better, we know in our daily lives that making small improvements is always a good thing. But when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to medicine, when it comes to critical care, resuscitation, whatever it might be, in the space of healthcare, what makes it difficult to internalize that is the fact that I don't have time to make small choices because if I make a small choice, there's still hundreds of things that I'm making mistakes in and these are people's lives. I need everything to change to the best right now. 
There's no time to make small choices and small changes. Well, let's take a step back and think about how things are actually done. Let's think about how changes are made. Let's think about how actions actually come to fruition. They come by doing. Spoiler alert. If you talk to marketing strategists, if you talk to inventors, if you talk to creatives, anybody that you talk to in the space of actually doing and producing, they will always tell you that the strategy comes after the action. People in sports, athletes, artists, you name it, all of them will tell you that no matter how much you plan, when you actually do, you get data back, you get information back. And even when you don't feel it, you are constantly like shaving off the imperfections as you perform actions. Because even if you think you're not benefiting from it, you're still actually gaining data subconsciously or even consciously. That's all well and good. But on a grander picture, if you want to get to a point where you can actually sit down and think about what you've learned and try to come up with a scheme or a plan to actually start to improve, it still comes from acting first. Sitting and pontificating about what plan of action you're going to take, how you're going to get better, it's completely useless. And if anything, it's going to be overwhelming because you'll deal with analysis paralysis. But if you take action, even if it's not the right action, making some type of movement, creating momentum will allow you to pivot. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking about the example of, let's say you have something really heavy that you're rolling or moving. If you want to try to get it to change direction, when it's in motion, it's much easier. Those of you out there who used to ever drive cars that didn't have power steering, I know it's another car analogy, but when a car is standing still with no power steering, it's very difficult to move the wheel. When the car is rolling, it's much easier. And that applies to anything if you're moving a big piece of luggage or anything that you're trying to move, when it has momentum, it's much easier for it to change direction. You get the idea. By taking action, by making some momentum, that gives you the opportunity to change. What it also does is it will give you more ideas. And this brings me to the fallacy of multitasking. Sometimes we have to deal with multiple things at once. And what really is multitasking is not multitasking. It's actually repetitive task switching, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. But in reality, our brains function the best by unitasking fixating on one thing and doing that thing. Now, those in the ER, I'm sure, can attest to the fact that distractions certainly are not at a premium in the ER. But regardless of that, finding a way to be able to linearize your tasks is going to be the most efficient. That's dealing with a critical patient, taking one action, and then moving forward versus trying to think of everything at once. And it also deals with your educational and your developmental path. Make a good choice. Make a good choice, something that you think is a good choice, and allow it to take you to the next choice. The next step might actually correct the choice that you made, but you're moving forward. And as you move forward, each choice builds on the other because good choices aggregate. And eventually you get to a point where you've made a milestone or a greater success, the ultimate goal that you've been trying to reach. Success is the aggregate of good choices. Success comes from the sum and the combination of each and every good choice that you make. Now, there's a lot of reasons why success is the aggregate of good choices. There's a lot of reasons why making a choice and moving to the next one leads to progress and evolution. I'm not a professional psychologist. I'm not a 
PhD in neuroscience or anything like that. But I want to share what I think based on my experiences and what I've been learning. I want to share with you why I think it makes sense that good choices aggregate into success. It's a bit of a mental hack, right? And there's two parts to it. One is the fact that you build self-credibility by making a checklist for yourself, right? And so when you actually decide to make a choice, you make that choice and then you move forward. And your brain says, I intended to fulfill a desire to make a choice, made that choice, moved on. It builds self-credibility because your brain has something to look back on and say, these are the steps I've taken. These are concrete movements I've made forward. It's like you've seen that that drawing of like two people facing a ladder and one of them has like rungs that are too far apart and then you end up just getting discouraged because you're not making any progress. Whereas the ladder that has smaller rungs, you take a small step, small step, small step, you end up at the top of the ladder. It's a combination of two things. It's a combination of a grander goal, but also smaller choices and smaller actions that all contribute to reaching that goal. And that combination is necessary. But each time you make a goal and then you fulfill that mini goal towards a larger one, your brain gets benefit from that because you're building self-credibility, whether it's conscious or subconscious. The other part of it which relates to this is actually something that I've seen some health professionals, mental health professionals, and psychologists employ, and it's actually worked for me. You take the gym, for example. If you make the decision to work out a certain amount three times a week and blah, 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 and that becomes overwhelming and you stop and you just keep repeating that failure cycle. Some advocate the idea of just go to the gym, meaning get up, put on your shoes, put on your clothes, physically go to the gym, turn around and leave. That's it. Don't hold yourself accountable for working out a single minute. Just get yourself to the gym. Then when you do that, number one, you're building self-credibility that you accomplished the goal, even if it seems silly. But the other is that now you are less of a step away from actually working out. So you decide, okay, this time I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm going to do one set of one thing, 60 seconds and I'm going to leave. And it just starts building. And you might think, well, that's not going to get me anywhere, right? Getting up in the morning and deciding to do one push-up when I wake up in the morning, it's not gonna get me anywhere. But we're not talking about building strength in this situation. We're talking about building momentum. And then you develop a habit over time, and then it becomes easier to build on that habit because you're not starting from zero anymore. Now, what this does in your brain is it simply sends off the signal of mission accomplished. That's all. That's, you get the pleasure of saying, I set out to do something and I did it. That's actually why, and I may have talked about this before and definitely will in the future, that's actually why if you want to build self-credibility, you create tasks for yourself that you do not deviate from. And the most important task that you can set for yourself or the most important rule is telling yourself that I will not create a rule for myself that I cannot fulfill. And then from there, you can start by saying, okay, my tasks this morning are brush my teeth, take a shower, drink a glass of water. And you might think to yourself, I, I already brush my teeth and take a shower every morning. Why, how, how could that possibly work? It's just the act of creating a task for yourself, even if you already do it. That's a whole other topic. How does that relate to what we're talking about right now? It relates because of the momentum. In the beginning, we talked about this feeling of there's so much to learn and so much of it has to do with a patient living or dying. And there could be information out there that you don't know that 
if you, if you don't know it right now, you're going to harm a patient. So you get so overwhelmed with trying to learn all of the things that you don't end up spending any time doing anything. It's analysis paralysis. You would be more efficient and get more done if you took a small task and accomplished it and then accomplish the next and accomplish the next. Linearize things and start taking action and good choices aggregate. Now this makes sense in the educational space. How does this make sense in the realm of leadership and mindset that we're talking about? One example of how it helps in mindset is going to bed every night and choosing three positive things that happened. And we're not talking about huge philosophical positivities. We're talking about the smallest positive things. Think of the smallest, most insignificant positive thing you could think of. Like the lunch I had today tasted good. It means nothing, but what it does is it rewires the way you think and it rewires the things that you end up focusing on from a perspective of interpersonal leadership and mindset and empathy and all the things we've been talking about, pick a situation where you can choose to have a negative reaction and have a less negative reaction or have a more positive interaction. Or instead of choosing to have your ego come in, choose the path that leads to the greater good. Choose the path that leads to the end goal that's trying to be achieved. And then when you're at home at night going to bed, thinking about that, Think to yourself actively how that led to slowly getting to a better change. And it might seem delusional. It might seem like that's not going to make a difference. It's going, that effect is going to fade away and tomorrow we're going to go back to normal. Out. That doesn't help you. What does help you is remembering that you made a tiny change. And then you go back to, let's say you go back to zero. Tomorrow you make another change again. It makes a little bit more of a difference. This works in teamwork. It works in building credibility among your staff members. It works in dealing with consultants. It works in dealing with your colleagues. It works in dealing with everybody within your team. And it can also work with dealing with your patients if you're somebody who has long-term follow-up with your patients. So success is the aggregate of good choices. When you're Thinking about a situation when you're debriefing in a particular resuscitation or clinical effort in a critical case, what you have when you debrief is all of the actions you've put in as an individual and as a team. And then that can allow you to morph your actions and evolve them and become more efficient. And within the critical situation, when you make a good choice as a leader or as a team member and report it to the team, you emphasize that choice. And that allows you to have another idea to make another choice. And by reiterating that during the resuscitation or the arrest or whatever critical situation you're dealing with, reminding yourself of that as you recap allows you to make one more choice and even affect the way you ask the question of what can we do? What, what else is there to do? Well, what's one more thing we can do? What's the next thing to do? What information do we have and what can we do next? But the information that you gather comes from taking the action. And when you start out in a critical situation and everything is flying all over the place, take one action, one action that will give you some piece of information and act on that and watch everything open up. Everything will unfold. Chaos will become order. And in the end, whether the patient lives or dies, you as a team come together and perform at your optimal level and it will never be the same ever again after that because good choices aggregate. We'll see you next time.